He loves serving the Lord and being a part of the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever had the Lord say something to you and he says, I want you to share this with someone, but not yet. They go, okay, tomorrow, the next day, maybe next week. I have something I want to share with you this morning. And it's literally been in the making for over 21 years. You go, how could you not share something and hold it for 21 years? I have in my computer a program called Logos, and it's just a great program. It has multiple commentaries. It has multiple illustrations. It has multiple Bible translations. It's just the Greek and the Hebrew. It's just, it is massive. And so there's times when I'm writing the sermons and and I'm I'm going in there and I'm getting some illustrations, some insight and thought, and I find some. It's, you know, like chasing a butterfly. You know, all of a sudden, you're totally off subject. You're reading something else, totally different. But it's just too good to stop reading. Well, when I have those moments, it may not fit that particular sermon that I'm working on. I copy it and put it into a file folder and I just future sermons. And I have just tons of stuff like that. Well, this has been in that making for a long time. And I can't tell you how excited I am to be able to bring this to you. You know, I, 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 don't, I won't even give Satan credit for this because sometimes it's out of my own clumsiness. Is, is, but I will not be discouraged in what this word has. This morning, my, my wonderful notes has, has coffee stains all through it. I, I, this morning, I spilled my coffee on my notes, and that is, they smell great. On that. But, but it is, it's there driving in. I got a chai tea, and and reaching through the window and getting that, I hit the top of my window, the lid came off, and the coffee came out all over me. I mean, on my dashboard, on my window, inside the window. I mean, it went showers of blessings, you know. I I wasn't upset. Fact, fact. I, I said, okay, I'll just change. And, and by the way, the person behind me, uh, how, how much is their coffee? And they got a couple of coffees and, and said, I'll pay for theirs too. I was not going to allow Satan, who well, I don't like to give him credit, but he doesn't do because he didn't do that. It was my fault in, uh, in doing that. But God has a word for us. And it's, and it's all in, in, in our attitude. So uh, I, I want you <laughs> to... to to have an attitude adjustment here this morning. Now, whatever is going on in, in your life and trying to distract you, some issues and things and some serious challenges in our life, I, I just want you to set that aside and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to receive this. So are, are you ready to receive this word? Are you ready to receive it? Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we have all types of distractions that goes on in our lives from, from 2020 to into 2021 into the dayliness of our lives to this very this morning. But Lord, you brought us here for the very purpose to be able to worship you, to be in unity of one body, one spirit. 
to be able to receive something from you, Lord, this morning that will not only challenge us, but change us. So, so Heavenly Father, we welcome that. Holy Spirit, have your way in our life, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you're seated, tell the person beside you, I'm ready to hear this. Usually I say, you know, this is for you. You know, we like to tell people, you need to hear this. Well, I, we need to hear this. I'm in this series, and how do we see God? And this particular message is, how do I see God in the uncomfortable times in my life? You know, we, we're in the book of um, Habakkuk, and this series is just wonderful. And in this book, now, if, if you read my emails this morning, or this past Friday, I encourage you to read Habakkuk 1, 2, and 3. It's only three chapters. If you go to Habakkuk 4, you're in the wrong Bible, okay? So, so it's only three. You go, and you, if you haven't, you're thinking, I have no clue where that is. Well, you go to the book of, uh, of the New Testament, and, and, and you go to Matthew, and you hang in the left. And you go five books to the left, and there it is, sitting right there. Three incredible chapters. And, and in this, these chapters, he kind of starts off with the opening words of, of some questions that he has, and, and says three chapters later, he has this incredible insight. Now, listen to this. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 2. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? Do you not listen Anybody ever say that? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not say. Why do you make me um, look um, at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife, conflicts abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous. So the justice is perverted. Is this the morning news or what? Then we go to chapter 3. And, and just go down to verse 17, and he says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vine, there are all of um, um, corpse of fall, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, and the cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be rejoiceful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. It's amazing how, how he starts off with these, these questions in chapter 1 that are absolutely so profound and yet on everybody's lips today. And then he comes to this third chapter. And the thing, thing that is stunning to me, nothing changes. So, so this is like a Seinfeld message, you know, meaningless. You know, what's this all about? Because I'm not going to give you any answers. But I'm going to give you a powerful word. 
because he says something to us when we don't have answers to our questions. We, you know, it's, it's natural for us to have those questions. We all ask, why, Lord, why is this happening? And before we really get into to all this, I want us to understand he goes from this questions to confidence. He goes from problems to praise. He goes from frustration to faith. How does that happen in our lives? Well, there are three themes in that book of Habakkuk. The first theme, theme is struggles and doubts. Here is a prophet, a man of God, a religious leader, a spokesman for Judah, a spiritual leader of touching people's lives. And he goes and shares some real-life questions that he has. I want you to know it's okay to have questions. It's okay to ask God why. You may not always get an answer right away, but ask him. Because they're there in our hearts, and it's not like we could hide those things from him. So it's okay. There's struggles and doubts. The second theme is God is sovereign. God is in control. There's a difference between evil existing and evil conquering. And it doesn't. And the third theme is hope. We learn that our hope is not in this world system. But it is in God's system. We see that they're in captivity. There's all types of issues. There's this cloud that is hovering over them. Their world is in chaos. Does it feel kind of familiar to you? That our world is in chaos. There's like this cloud hovering over the world and wondering what in the world are we going to do. But I, I want you to know that there's hope. And there's hope in God's word. The word Habakkuk means to the, an embracer. It, it's like a, a picture of this prophet embracing his people like a mother hen watching over its chicks. He's concerned about his congregation. He's concerned about what is going on in their lives. I want you to know, I love you, but there's times you keep me up at night. I'm praying for you. God wakes me up in the middle of the night. I literally try to get you out of my head, but I can't. And I'm waiting in the presence of the Lord. I said, Lord, what are you going to do here? How are you going to answer their prayers? Do you not see what they are going through right now? He cares about them. And he asks these questions. We all have these questions. Sometimes we just say to the Lord, this doesn't add up. I've been doing all the right stuff, the best that I can. I know I've made mistakes but I'm doing my best, and it's just not working out. And sometimes we get caught up in that, and sometimes we literally stay in that situation. But don't you times get a little bit um, 
perturbed, though, about people who have all the answers? <laughs> they, and, and especially at times when, when they give you these trite um, Christian or spiritual responses, you know, just trust God. Well, I've been trusting God and nothing's happening, you know. Let go and let God, let go, I'm falling into an abyss. And we have these questions, what's going on? It, it, it's, it, it's like, you know, the great um, spiritual philosopher of Peanuts in his, one of his cartoons, Charlie Brown is asked the question, is Charlie Brown life is a mystery, Lucia is talking to him. Then she says, do you know the answers, Charlie Brown? And Charlie Brown quickly replies, be kind, don't smoke. Uh, be prompt, smile a lot, eat sensibly, avoid um, cavities, mark your ballots carefully, avoid too much sun, send um, overseas packages early, um, love all creatures above and below, ensure your belongings, and try to keep the ball low. I, I, love, I love Lucy's response to all that. She punches them in the nose. Um, Sometimes it's hard because there's just no answer to some of those questions. So here's what I want to do. Let's get started here looking at how Habakkuk did with all these questions that was coming to him. And starting out in chapter 1, he's asking this question, verse 2. God, why don't you answer prayers? Ever ask that? Verse 3 says, why is there so much sin around me? <laughs> Are we sure this reading a newspaper or hearing the, what's going on in 2021? Verse 4, he says, why is justice not being upheld? Now, he says getting started. And then he goes to verse 12, God, didn't I figure into your plans? Aren't you thinking of me? Verse 13, he says, why do you let the wicked prosper? <laughs> Verse 14, am I not special in your sight? Verse 15, God, should our people, should your people be continually ridiculed by godless people? Verses 16 and 17, God, will you ever punish the godless I mean, this guy has some questions, and, and, and I really believe that, that, that these are no different than any questions that we would ask today. So how do we deal with this? Well, first of all, we deal with it. His honesty brought him from questions about God to confidence in God. He, he said, we need to be honest with God. God, God is okay with that. He's okay with us asking those questions. First of all, honesty is freely expressed. He doesn't sugarcoat any of this. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like when I'm having a dialogue with my wife, Arlene. And, and, and then she comments, and, and I look at her, and I say, do you not have a filter? 
I mean, it's, it goes from thought to mouth, you know, right at me. And I'm really glad, you know. Um, but boy, Habakkuk, is, he's just going from thought to mouth to God. He's not sugarcoating anything. And so what he's doing is, God, I, I want to tell you something. I may be a religious leader in a country. I may be a prophet. I may be journalizing all this for future generations. But, but God, I have some questions. And he doesn't mind questions. What he does mind is dishonesty. Be true. And then we go from the freely expressing it to, to expressing it to God. Now, this in church, this is so vitally important because he's not holding back. He's not going to some of his colleagues. He says, what is God doing? Doesn't he care about us? Don't you see what he's going on around him? What he's actually doing is that he's telling them God is not working, and he's really bringing division between these other people and God because he's questioning everything that God is doing, and he's not talking to God about it. That's right, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. It's so vitally important to understand. It says this, there are six things that the Lord hates. Did you know that? That he hates things? Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that um, devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run the evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And here's the one that's just amazing. And one who sows discord among brothers. He's talking about all this other stuff that is just horrible. And he says, one that brings discord among brothers. And brings the family of God. He says he hates that because that separates people from God, separates people from each other. It doesn't resolve. So what he does is that he doesn't go to anybody else except he goes directly to God and says, i got some questions for you. And he talks to him about these things. See, not only from that honesty, he, his patience brought him from the questions about God to the confidence in God. Patience. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have these days is patience. In chapters um, 2, we see that patience when he's talking in chapter 2. That's, and I will stand my watch and sit myself on the rampart and watch and see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. He's having these questions. He says, I'm going to watch and wait, and he's going to talk to me. Then I'm going to respond when I am corrected. He doesn't want to say, oh, you know, sometimes we want to hear God say, oh, I'm sorry, you were right and I'm wrong. 
God's is, he's waiting for God to put him in his place and write the vision and mark its plans on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It is a pointed time. He has a time schedule. The Living Bible says it will not be overdue one single day. He has several things about his ways, his will, his plans, and his answers. And he has an appointed time. He's going to do it when he's ready to do it, no minute earlier or no minute later, but it is already scheduled. I love to schedule things. We have to schedule. Our lives become so busy, we put it in our calendar, and we look forward to that particular thing. We have scheduled in our calendar of the church that super weekend. I cannot wait for it. I've been talking to my neighbors about it. I've been talking to a guy. I came out of a car. He's taking his son to a mini football game for his son. His about that tall, short little guy. I don't know, maybe he's nine years old. I'm thinking, Sunday morning? But I told him about Friday night. I told him about Joe Jackson because he loves sports. I'm excited about what God has to do that Friday night for the men to become warriors, that Saturday for those women to come together to use their creativity and that marvelous fellowship and communicating and talking and our kids having a ball being together, then ending it up with um, Evangelist Joe Jackson ministering to this congregation of what God has for us. What an incredible weekend. I don't want to miss a moment of it. Because we have it as an appointed time. God has appointed time. I want you to notice when he said in verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Have you ever thought about God tearing? Uh, now, when I'm thinking about that, I don't like God to tarry. I want it now, right? Come on, God, give me some answers. I don't like what's going on. The world is in chaos. We need some answers. What about dishing out these answers now? But you see, when it comes to him, he's not in a rush. We may be, but he is not. He goes, I got it on my schedule. I'll do it when it needs to be done. He's saying, it is foolproof. It is failproof. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. Calvin Coolidge told one of the impatient senators at that time, he says, four-fifths of our trouble in life it will never appear if we would just sit down and be still. <laughs> because then we could know that he's God. Sometimes we get ahead of him. See, our behavior influences two things. It's influenced by our experiences and by our expectations. And, and Habakkuk was kind of unique because his experiences weren't so good. 
but he was not going to allow his experiences to influence his behavior in seeking God. It was his expectations. We see there and when he tells us, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. He says, not if, what. He will speak into our lives. That next verse says, and I will watch to see what he will say to me, and I will answer when I am corrected. <laughs> you ever have an attitude when you're praying to God? Sure, we do. But what I love about him is that it's okay with him. He says, I still want you in communication with me. I want you to express those feelings. I want you to be able to tell me what is on your heart. No filter, nothing. Just speak it to me. Tell me when you're frustrated with things around, when you don't understand it. Because he wants us to be able to speak those things out to him because he's concerned. He loves us. And he does have a direction. In doing so, boy, that takes some patience, doesn't it? See, thirdly, his faith brought him from the questions about God to the confidence in God. We see in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. It is a principle of life, my friends. The righteous shall live by his faith. Now, it's very interesting when he says that because it's spoken about in Romans. It's spoken about in Galatians. Martin Luther spoke about it when he come to realize that it's not by his works. It's by that faith in which he's able to have in God, which will change his world that is around us. There's two kinds of faith. There's that faith that saves and there's that faith that supports. There's a faith that brings us salvation, but there's a faith that gives us that support and that strength to take us through that journey when there's all those questions that are set around us. Galatians 3.11 says, A man in the upright standing with God shall live by faith. Paul says that he shall also live out of faith. Live by faith. Is learning to live daily by faith. Now, this may sound a little strong, but it needs to be said. There is no such thing as a person who is not faithful that has faith. Can I repeat that? There is no such thing of a person who is not faithful that has faith. If there's things that is, that is not working out and you're walking unfaithfully before the Lord, I would challenge your faith and your walk in Him. Habakkuk was learning to be both faithful and full of faith. He was learning to focus, well, not on the wrong things, but on the right things. He's learning now that his focus must be God-centered, and not circumstance-centered. Can I say that again? He's learning to be God-centered and not circumstance-centered. 
He started off with all the circumstances that was around him. He's questioning all these things that he was dealing with that was so pressing. Legitimate. Why is there injustice? Don't you care about the righteous being persecuted? Have you forgotten about me? Am I not in your plans any longer? Don't you care or love me any longer? He had all those questions, but those questions would be driven by the circumstance that was around him. And he needed to refocus from being circumstance to being God-focused. See, we see, I love what Ruth Graham, she said this in one of her books, and, and, and it's going to come up on thing. You may want to take a picture of that. It's, I lay my wise before your cross and worship near me, my mind too numb for thought, wow. my heart beyond all feelings, and worshiping, realize that I, in knowing, you don't need a why. I may not always have a why. Why is this happening? But I can have that understanding that in the midst of that, he is there. We want answers. Life is, we want it really simple. But God is saying, I'm there to bring you through this, but I'm there. You may not know the why today, but I am there. Don't be circumstance-focused. Be God-focused. And see, the, he tells us, fourthly, that his prayer brought him to that questions, from the questions of God, to that confidence in God. He goes from honesty to patience to faith to faithfulness to prayer. He says to us, oh, Lord, I have heard the reports about you. For I fear, O oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it be known. And wrath um, earnestly uh, remember compassion and love. What he did is simply prayed. Sometimes we can get caught up in complaining and have no prayer life whatsoever. I want the answers before I have the conversation with them, before I have the relationship with them, before I begin to understand what it's like being in his presence. See, that fifth thing he talks about is his meditation brought him from the questions about God to that confidence in God. Meditating. I love verses 3, 9, and 13. In, in the New American Standard and King James Version, it, there is a word that is used in there. It's called selah. It's, it's, it's a phrase that at times it's omitted in other translations, yet it's so very important. It's mentioned 71 times Selah in the book of Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. And, and what it means is stop and think clearly about what has been said. Stop. 
hear what you are saying. Then be still and wait upon the Lord because he has a response to us. There's three words that I want us to stop, Selah, and hear what it says. That very first verse is, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. What he's actually saying is, Lord, do it again. Do what you've done before. You are able to do this. Do this renew fresh time. I have I've said when we've come into the 21st century that I want a 21st century Pentecost. I don't want the old Pentecost. I want a new encounter. I want a new wave. I want a latter rain wave. I want God to do something that he's never done in any generation before. Revive us in the midst of all of this. In doing that, listen to me, church. When we're saying, do what you have done, but do it again. Sometimes what we do when we're reading the Word of God, we, we open this amazing Bible and, and, and we look at it and, and we say, wow, that's then and this is us. It's not them and us. It's all of us. He's speaking to you and he's speaking to me today. I am a part of this word. I'm not just reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm reading about Tom Ricosi because his word is relevant in our lives. It's relevant to you today. He has something to say to us. The second thing he wants us to look at, he said, remember. Because I want you to remember something. In verses 5 and 6 and 7, it says, Remember the, the pestilence in Egypt. Talk about how the Lord drove people out of the wilderness to protect the children of Israel. Talk about Caleb's nephew who saved the people and also about Gideon who was a judge. You see, like Habakkuk, we're fearful too. God said, Habakkuk, stop for a moment. Think, did I take care of Gideon? Yeah. Stop to think, did I take care of Moses? Oh, yes, you did. Stop and think. I'm asking you this morning, stop and think, did he take care of Joshua? And, and the question is, yes. The answer is yes. Did he take care of, you put whatever you want in that. As you read that word, and the answer again is yes, and yes, and yes. And I want you to understand something, family of God. If he took care of all of those people, he says, remember what I have done, and I will take care of you. Thirdly, amen. Make it known. Worship team, come on. See, what he's saying is, in making it known, I want it to be restored. Listen to what he says in verse 12. The indignation thou dost march through the earth. God is up to something. Verse um, 12, 
thou dost trample the nations. Verse 13, thou dost go forth. Verse 13, thou didst write. You have done it before. God, you could do this again. What happened to Habakkuk? You, you see, he had all these questions. What happened to him? But all of a sudden, there's no more questions. There's statements, exclamations. He, what happened to him is that he begins to see that in spite of what is happening around him, he is able to praise God. In, in church, when, when this message was just laid upon my heart, so often that, that in this past 2020 and 2021, I want to stand before you and I want to give you answers to the craziness, the chaos that is going on around us. And when I, I was reading this book of Habakkuk, I come to realize that there may not always be the answers that I want, but there is a response to those questions that God desires to have, and it changes everything that is around us. See, finally, what happens is that he goes from praise brought him from the questions about God to the confidence of God. I think verses 17, 18, and 19 are one of the finest verses in the Old Testament. Habakkuk teaches us that praise is not a result of circumstances. Praise is a result of choice. And you say, oh, Pastor Tom, I'm ready to praise God when my finance situation gets better. Oh, I'm ready to praise God when my marriage issues are getting better. I'll praise him then. I'll praise God when my health gets better. I'm going to praise him then. I'll praise God when the world situation gets better. Uh-uh. Because, you see, he wants us to praise him in spite of all those things. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. Because when the body of Christ rises up like this, the world will take notice. The family will take notice. The government will take notice. Because they listen to the people. They want to hear what the people are saying. You want to know the chaos, what's going on in our government? Because the wrong people are raising their voices. When the body of Christ raises its voices, when we begin to speak into our families, into our communities, all things around us, though the fig tree should not um, blossom and there will be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flocks should be cut off from the folds and there be no cattle in the stalls. What he's saying is that nothing in that third chapter has changed. The circumstance is the same. There's still no figs on the fig tree. There's still no cattle in the stalls. There's still no food in the field. There's still that dark, barren, dismal circumstances around him, yet, he says in verse 18, yet, 
yet. I will exalt the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice. Listen to me, family of God. That the moment that we begin to determine to look at God and realize that God is God, God has been God, God will be God, and no matter what happens around us, God is still God, church, because He is still on the throne. And then He closes and He says, The Lord is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds' feet. Then I will make me walk in my high places. What he is saying is that I will walk steadily. I will have that feet that is be able to walk on the mountains, and he will lift me to those higher places. So stand with me, church. Because this I do know. Though my job goes and my health fails. And the forces of evil seem to have things going their own way. And though the economy doesn't work the way that I want it, and the family struggles, and the pandemic is the pandemic, and I'm not appreciated among my friends, and everything that goes wrong, I won't, I won't pull the plug out on the Lord. I won't resent you, Lord. I will have my doubts. I will have questions about what's going on, but I won't stop questioning. But there's another thing that I won't stop doing. I will not stop rejoicing. I will not stop building your name up. I will lift your name among the nations because his word is yea and amen. And when we worship the Lord, he's saying, I have something for you. Don't be caught up in the circumstances. Be lifted up in Christ. Because, see, this is when we are more than conquerors. This is living by faith. So we're going to sing a chorus. We're going to worship the Lord. You may be going through the challenges of your life, and I have no answers for them, but we're going to lift our voice and we're going to praise Him because He is still God. He is still on the throne. But as we do this, I'm going to ask you, we haven't done this in a year and a half. We could do this. If you are comfortable, as we begin to sing, you could come and stand at this altar. You could worship the Lord together. You could social distance. You could wear your mask. But there's times I just want to get out of the boat. I want to walk on that water. I want to stand in his presence. And I want to worship him. So, family of God, lift up those voices of praise. Hallelujah.